Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Thanks so much for joining us. Denny Long taking a couple of weeks off here in early July. He'll be back later in the month. We're pleased to be joined by Mary Meyer. I'm Steve Thompson. Good to see you, Mary. Good to be here, Steve. Thank you for having us on from Extension. Yes, absolutely. Always so many calls and texts. And we should remind you, 651 989 9226 is the phone number, and you can use that to send your text now. 651-989-9226. Mary's in studio. We'll take your calls and texts all hour long. But right out of the top, looks like the rain is over for now. <laughs> we'll see some sun today, tomorrow, even into Monday. Yes, what a rainy season. So a lot of plants really do love this. They're growing well. Uh, heat and rain is good for a lot of plants. If you've got your plants in the ground, it's good. It's hard to get planting done, as we've heard for the farmers and so on. But uh, but really, if you look at the new growth on some of the trees, Steve, mm. three feet, really. I've seen trees with new growth three feet because there's been so much rain, good growing conditions. We did have a slow spring. And we're just now, I, I'm, I'm sure our listeners will help us with this. How many people have seen Japanese beetles? So they're late this year. So normally they come out the end of June. But now uh, the uh, IPM specialist at the Arboretum has seen three. When I talked to her, that was Wednesday, I think. Uh, Jeff Hahn, our entomologist, as of July 1st, he had not seen any. So they're later. That's good. Maybe they won't be as bad. Maybe the winter killed them off. We can hope. We can hope. We haven't seen any new uh, uh, sightings or findings for the emerald ash borer, and we do hope that some of those larvae were killed with our colder winter and later spring. But uh, overall, if you've got a garden, a vegetable garden, your garden is probably doing really well. And so are the weeds because the weeds love this wet weather. If if there's a weed seed in the soil, it's germinating now because it, the, you get your garden weeded and then you turn around and the weeds are right back there again. So but uh, we we are getting to our hottest, driest time of the year. Nobody's probably had to really water their lawn this year, but we it, it could happen. This end of July usually is our hot, dry time when we go into more of a dormant period for our lawns. But uh, great for growing conditions overall. Yeah, the Japanese beetles, though. Um, I was telling you before we went on the air. I finally gave up on my grapevine. I, I just couldn't <laughs> fight. They, they 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 won the war. Yeah. They they did. I just <laughs> what whatever I tried for several years to fight the Japanese beetles, I just had to give up because the grapes would bring them in and then they would go by go nearby and feed on my apple trees yes, as well. They, there are so. a lot of our fruit plants that they love. We know now that if you can take off the first Japanese beetles you see that will help in a couple of ways. Um, 
the actually the leaves of plants give off a chemical that can bring in even more mm. of the bugs and then the bugs can attract other bugs so Early in the morning, late in the evening, if you pick off those Japanese beetles, put them in soapy water. Um, so I have a friend who said he made a game of it with his grandkids, collecting Japanese beetles off of their roses, apple trees, and grapevines. They love those cherries. They love a lot of sure. our fruits. Yeah, so uh, be aware that uh, they're... they're coming out they're coming out and i'm sure we might hear from some listeners southern minnesota i would expect they're out uh, more so than here in the north uh your calls uh once again uh, mary meyer in studio here 651-989-9226 and that number is good either to give us a call or send us a text 651-989-9226 Nine two two six, and let's start on the phone lines today and bring in Ken and Blaine. Ken, you're on the air. Good morning. Um, I was out in my garden uh, yesterday, and I noticed that my flocks are kind of yellowing. I, I'm kind of assuming it's from the a lot of moisture and rain and, and stuff. I don't know if there's something I sh- could do or should do. You know, I don't think so. I noticed that same thing, Ken, on my flocks. I have a cultivar called David. The white cultivars tend to have a little bit less chlorophyll, so they kind of do have a yellowish uh, tint to them. Phlox is a very tough, hardy perennial, so I doubt um, if... um, that's going to be anything major. Um, the other thing Phlox gets is powdery mildew, and that's the white substance all over it. And when you first said Phlox, I thought you were going to say it has white stuff on it, and and that's powdery mildew. But it could be the beginning of powdery mildew that you're seeing as well. Um, it's hard to to prevent that. Uh, improving the air circulation is one of our recommendations, but that's kind of uh, difficult. But um, I doubt if it's anything. But if you want to go to our extension.umn.edu website, uh, you'll see the information there about what's wrong with my plants. And you can look at flocks and diseases that get on flocks. But I doubt if it's an issue. Uh, The other thing you can do is a soil test. Getting a soil test to make sure that your nutrient levels are sufficient uh, could be another issue. Now, the peonies are done blooming. Uh, for the season, I, I've cut all the the flowers that are the remnants of the flowers. But I have noticed uh, on two peonies on the east side of the house, they do get kind of a powdery white substance. The ones in the front on the south of the house that get a lot of sun don't get that. Yeah, uh, that's it, that's right. So the exposure it can make a big difference. Uh, damper conditions where the leaves stay wet uh, mm-hmm. can encourage powdery mildew. Is there any way to treat that going forward for you know, people that get that on their plants? Yeah, it's really tough. You put, need to put down a preventative fungicide so mm. before it ever gets it, a preventative. But powdery mildew is not fatal, so it won't ever kill your plants. It can weaken them. Really, it's more a discoloration and um, reduction in photosynthesis, but it's not fatal. So no, nowhere near as problematic as a borer or other uh, other issues. Uh, the phone number again, 651-989-9226. It is our Smart Garden Show. Mary Meyer in studio. And let's go to Millar, Golden Valley. You're on the air. Hello. Good morning. Um, my name is Miller. Oh, and, I'm sorry, um, Miller. 
I had a question about my burning bush. You had talked about this about a month ago, that because of the, the spring weather that uh, there were some challenges with there. But ours is, uh, I have two of them, and they're about 50 feet apart. One's five feet tall, one's four feet tall, and um, they lost 90% of their leaves. But now, way down on the bottom, like in the, top, uh, the bottom foot of each one, lots of leaves are coming in. I was wondering, should I prune this back or should I just do nothing? And my second question was, and you were talking about Japanese beetles. I listened to that. And is there anything that you can do, spray on these, or do anything besides uh, knocking the first ones off? So, Miller, I would cut back your burning bush. At this point, uh, those stems that have no leaves on are dead. Uh, We saw a tremendous amount of damage on this plant, and uh, perhaps the bark cracked, but cold conditions in our winter killed this plant, which is kind of unexpected. Uh, But there is some life in the roots, and that's why you see a little bit growing at the base. If you're willing to wait a few years, I think the plant could recover and come back again. Um, but that's kind of a choice you've got to make. But if there aren't any, the stems with no leaves on at this point are dead. And then prevention for Japanese beetles, no, there really isn't a prevention. Uh, If you have a huge infestation and you know they're in your lawn because they complete part of their life cycle in turf, then you can use an insecticide to kill them in your lawn. But uh, they may come in from your neighbor's lawn. So it's hard to prevent uh, Japanese beetles. Yeah, it's got to be a neighborhood team effort. <laughs> team effort. <laughs> we have a great publication on Japanese beetles with a, the complete life cycle. It talks about what attracts them, what doesn't work, and so on. So you can try um, re- reading and understanding their life cycle is uh, is an important prevention in under- understanding what they're going to do in your garden. And that's up at extension.umn.edu. And then um, it's a yard and garden news or just search Japanese beetles. Yeah, and I'm sure there are a lot of people wondering, what do we do about these things? Because once you get them uh, in your neighborhood, uh, it, it's hard to get rid of them for sure. That's right. They tend to congregate in in groups. So Yeah, tough stuff. Quick break. We've got more on our Smart Garden Show. Mary Meyer in studio. We've got Jay, Steve, Carol all waiting on the phone lines. The number again, 651 989 9226. And a great way to go is to send a text as well. Same number, 651 989 9226. We'll have a quick break and we'll be back in a moment here on the CCO. It is our Smart Garden Show. Mary Meyer in studio today, and we're on the air every Saturday between 8 and 9 a.m. Steve Thompson in for Denny Long. Denny taking a couple of weeks off. He'll be back later in July. Once again, pleased to be joined by Mary Meyer. A lot of calls and a lot of texts. Uh, We promised we'd start on the phone lines right now, and let's get to it. Uh, Let's start with Jay. Jay, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. I think it's K, but that's okay. Oh, okay. I had J. I've been called many things. <laughs> my my batting know. average is not very good this morning. Uh, K, you're on the air. Okay, thank you. I have a peace plant that gets brown on the leaves, um, and um, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Sometimes, and then sometimes it'd be yellow ones. 
I water, I catch my rainwater and keep that in <clears throat> in a barrel. So I water them in the house. Um, okay, uh, Kay, I think this maybe is a peace lily, a house plant that you have. Uh, I hope I got that right. We do see that browning and yellow on the tips. Uh, that peace lily likes a lot of water. So you uh, can actually give that quite a bit of water as long as it drains out the bottom of the pot. Rainwater is a good thing uh, to use to water your plants. Um, So if I were you, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, Try to have it evenly moist and not go real dry or real wet. Steve, uh, you're on the air next. Hello. Steve? Yes. Hi. I've got a question. I have a uh, weeding uh, crabapple that this early this uh, spring was prof- proficiently blooming at the top, and now it's dead on the top, and but the lower half of the plant still seems to be alive. What do I do? Uh, I'm not sure what might be wrong with that. There are a number of diseases that crab apples get. Uh, last week, we had a caller talking about fire blight on crab apples, where uh, individual stem will suddenly turn brown and then die. Uh, you didn't mention the brown discoloration, which is typical of fire blight. But if um, if the top is dead, you, I'm assuming you're meaning there the leaves are gone, the branches are dead now. If you can prune off any dead, that's a good idea. If it is fire blight, that's a way of uh, reducing the, that disease on crab apples. Uh, you can also go to the extension.umn.edu website uh, and look up apple diseases. That will show you pictures of different diseases and see if there's uh, one that looks like your tree. Uh, so it could be a number of things. Pruning out anything dead is a good idea. Hopefully you can reach that. Sometimes crab apples are pretty tall and it's tough to do that. Um, speaking of pruning, a uh, couple of maple trees in my yard, uh, the rain, they've loved it, and the branches bigger are starting to hang down. Yes. And uh, is it okay to go after the maples right now? You can do pruning on maples right now. This is not a good time to prune oaks. Uh, or uh, oaks especially because of uh, oak wilt. But with a maple, you can do pruning. Uh, silver maples especially, uh, they are they are a big kind of weed tree, and they will grow very quickly in these wet conditions. So, yes, you can do pruning now. Yeah, but stay away from the oaks. And, stay away from and, the oaks. And really, oaks, you should almost... Uh, Try to prune and and trim in the winter months, ideally. Ideally, the dead of winter. We have three uh, risk categories, and we're in the high-risk category for transmitting oak wilt now. So that actually comes off the 15th of July, and then we go to a moderate. But ideally, you're right, Steve, low in the wintertime. So pruning in the dead of winter is the best for our oaks. 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226, and that's good for uh, phone calls and texts. And uh, speaking of Japanese beetles, we talked about that. Uh, two Japanese beetles picked in Plymouth June 30th were my first ones 
roses on July 5th, so uh, they're out in Plymouth, according to the text line. Thank you, listeners, for letting us know. Uh, if, you, if you're if you seeing Japanese beetles, the earliest ones to come out are the ones you run and really try to remove uh, the beetles, and then the chemical from the the plant leaves can actually attract more beetles into your yard. So being vigilant in the beginning uh, and picking them off uh, hopefully will pay off. So it's it's great. We've got a week or so. You know, the Japanese beetles are only out for six weeks and eh, maybe eight weeks. Uh, it seems like forever, but it isn't. Oh. And and so we've escaped a little bit, so maybe we'll have a shorter uh, life cycle. And maybe the winter did kill some of them. So uh, Japanese beetles beware. Once again, uh, text uh, 651-989-9226. Um, we should get this out of the way. We're coming up on another weather break here on the Smart Garden Show at the bottom of the hour, 830. Uh, we'll get our Creeping Charlie question out of the way. Uh, what do I do about Creeping Charlie? We, we can Creeping Charlie. Yes, we, we answer this every week. So we do have a great web uh, page on Creeping Charlie and management of it. It is a very vigorous and aggressive weed, usually in lawns, but uh, in, in a lot of places it's an issue. So the uh, best Best treatment is a chemical control, and it has to have two or three ingredients. Tricaplor is the one ingredient that uh, is the most effective against Creeping Charlie. So anytime it's actively growing in the summer, you can use a chemical. Sometimes uh, fall treatment is a little bit better, but you can get a good kill if you have multiple active ingredients in that uh, lawn herbicide. I kind of pick it out. You can pick it out, and, and of you course, know. you know, bees will use Creeping Charlie. Uh, there's, We have some information on our flowering lawn uh, the, under the Bee Lawn website at the university. Uh, this is not the best flower for bees with a quality of nectar or pollen, but it is used by uh, bees. I see bumblebees on my uh, Creeping Charlie. Yeah, and we did get a text uh, before we go to break here real quickly. Uh, these folks are reporting they haven't seen many bees around so far this summer. Oh, you know, the, we I'll, I'll look up the bee atlas while we're on break, and we'll talk about that. All right, very good. Uh, Mary Meyer in studio. It's our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Danny Long is away for a couple of weeks. He'll be back later in July. It is our Smart Garden Show. Once again, Denny Long away for a couple of weeks. He'll be back later in July. Mary Meyer in studio. A lot of great calls and texts. And before the break, we talked bees. And people are more sensitive about our bee population and how important it is to all of us. Yes, that's right. So there is a project, the Minnesota Bee Atlas. This is on our extension.umn.edu website. Uh, You can search Minnesota Bee Atlas. So this is part of a four-year project to count bees. Uh, It's really to identify bees. Counting is is, uh, good too, but it's really bee identification. So you don't have to know um, what the bee is, but you can take a picture of it as a citizen and put it up there and This is actually very helpful uh, for the more people that do this, the more information we can get. Uh, We have not done a bee survey in Minnesota since 1919, and at that point there were very few bees found. So we think that there are thousands of these native bees. And so, uh, yeah, if you're interested in that Minnesota Bee Atlas 
hopefully they're, um, we're more aware of this now with reducing the pesticides we use on our property. And as you said, Steve, planting, putting in plants that bees like that have the pollen and the flower that they felt that they like. So all of that information is up on extension.umn.edu. You can search for search for Minnesota Bee Atlas, A-T-L-A-S, Atlas. Mary, you mentioned earlier in the program that uh, the plants love the rain, love the heat. Uh, tomatoes love that heat. Uh, from our text line, my potted tomatoes are doing great this year, but how do I properly trim them to prevent blight or problems going forward in the growing season? Well, trimming is something. Some people really do pinch their tomatoes to take off any side shoots, so they have one main shoot. Uh, I actually have never done that, but um, you don't have to. Pruning will not necessarily alleviate the diseases. The diseases come on tomatoes um, kind of no matter what we do. They're very hard to not have any diseases. Uh, there's a, quite a bit of research that shows you can still have a decent crop of tomatoes, even if you have disease issues. And the diseases are preventative. The way you control them is preventative. you got to put pesticides on, uh, fungicides on the leaves to keep the leaves from getting sick. And so I, I don't do this. So with my tomatoes, uh, I try to keep the foliage dry. Foliage dry, good air circulation. If you have them in a container, hopefully they can get full sun, keep the foliage dry. If you do get some yellowing leaves or brown spotted leaves, usually starts from the bottom up. You can take those off when they're totally yellow. Take those off, remove them, keep the keep the plants as clean and dry as possible. And I think you'll still have a good crop of tomatoes and hopefully they won't come down by disease, from disease. It's late in the summer when those diseases come on. What about fertilizing the vegetables now, whether they're in pots or in in the garden? Yeah, if they're in pots, you're probably really going to have to put some fertilizer on those. I like to use a slow-release fertilizer in the potting soil, and then I use a liquid fertilizer about once a week. Uh, We just wrote an article on that, on fertilizing annuals, uh, flowers especially. Um, And so when they're in containers, usually what you have is a synthetic soil mix. It doesn't have the nutrients. It doesn't have the mineral soil in the ground that we have. So usually you have to have more fertilizer on the containers. The phone lines we go, by the way, our number is 651-989-9226 if you want to visit with Mary today on our Smart Garden Show. Uh, the always popular hydrangea in the spotlight oh, now, yeah. George in Deep Haven. You're on the air, George. Hello. Hi. Um, I just have a question. I have a twist and shout hydrangea I've had out in the back of my house for a number of years, and um, it always starts from the bottom up all the time. and. Last year and this year now, it's a healthy-looking plant, three feet high. Leaves are nice and healthy. I get like one flower last year and this year, and the leaf whirls the top look real nice and healthy like they want to have the bud start, but that's I only seem to get one flower on it. <laughs> so I'm not sure what yeah. else I should do with it. Um, I, it's, that's kind of tough, George. I, I, I haven't got twist and sow memorized but from what you're saying i assume this is one of the macrophylla so this type of hydrangea uh flowers on the new wood the wood that uh grows this year and full sun conditions uh are, are pretty much a requirement for that 
That is not the easiest type of hydrangea for us to grow. The big panicle hydrangeas, the larger shrub ones, are much easier. The older arborescents, um, they're easier also. So the, the ones that flower the most tends to be these big, tall ones. The big ones uh, flower better for us than the macrophylla that's a smaller one, and that's what uh, Endless Summer was. So um, if it's not in full sun, I'd consider moving it to full sun. Otherwise, I'd think about you could also do a soil test, see what the nutrient level is there, or think about getting one of the bigger hydrangeas. They are better flowers. And I, I don't want to wish summer away, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, how do you manage hydrangeas? Is it bet, best in the fall to cut those down to the ground and trim them way back? Um, actually, I don't do I, – I, I prune my hydrangea. I have a big vanilla strawberry, and I just take the previous year's blooms off in the early spring because they're old. They have those big sure. brown clusters up there. I take those off, and I just – take the individual blooms off. Otherwise, I don't prune mine very much uh, at all. So uh, people worry about pruning hydrangeas, but often um, they, they're they just getting ready. They're just starting to begin to flower now. So if you, you kind of have to wait till they flower and then prune them right as they're finished flowering. So it's, um, and, and there are three or four kinds of hydrangeas, so it gets complicated. Let's go to Judy and Blaine. Judy, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning. I have a beautiful evergreen tree that all of a sudden the limbs are are coming down. And I'm wondering, can I trim them? Uh, Pruning evergreens. Yes, you can do that right now. Um, You want to try to do this, any type of pruning with evergreens, uh, pretty much have that done by mid-July. Uh, evergreens will often put out new growth in response to pruning, and that can sometimes be injured in the winter. So if you do that before mid-July, that's best. Yeah. Um, speaking of evergreens, uh, we have yews on the back north side of the house, and they're going crazy. And every now and then we've got to knock those back and kind of get them under control. Because they're very happy where they're at, but Good. they're kind of taking they, they over the can, world. Yes, they can get large. So <laughs> I actually prune my evergreens with the ewes and so on. I prune them in the winter time when oh. I'm picking. Uh, yeah, that's how I make the arrangements in my pots on my front deck and my window boxes with evergreens. That's when I prune, I prune my ewes and then put them in pots. So in the in the in the dead of winter. Uh, you know, when you're making your Christmas uh, decorations, Christmas containers, you, that's a good time to prune your evergreens as well. It's dead of winter. There's no response then, and um, yes. Okay, but you're still okay if you need to, if they're getting out of hand. Yes, you can prune. Okay. Yeah, you can prune them in the springtime, springtime through mid July. So mid July into the fall is a kind of not the best. It is our Smart Garden Show. Mary Meyer joining us in studio. Let's go to Beverly in Minneapolis. Beverly, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, Yes, Uh, thanks for taking my call. I have a pagoda dogwood tree that uh, I've had for about five years, and it's grown nice. But this year it suddenly went bigger around than it is tall, and I don't know any, I don't know how to prune it at all, and I wondered if you cut off those branches they're they're just 
uh, too, too, uh, it's getting too, too round. Too round. <laughs> okay, Beverly. So, uh, pagoda dogwood, a lot of people plant this for its, um, it kind of has layers of branches and it can be really wide. So it can be wider than it is tall because it will throw out those almost, almost like layers of branches and is that pagoda-like? But I think that's where it got its name. Um, you can do some pruning on that. You could do that right now. And there again, I would caution you to do it in uh, the first part of the month and then towards the end of July, don't do the pruning. But you can prune that. That's a tough native for us. Uh, and it grows quite quickly. And this spring and summer now with all the rain we've had there again i think you could probably look and see the new growth on that is a couple of feet on those branches let's go to uh, larry next in maple lake larry you're on the air with mary meyer hello yes uh, mary you recently just a bit ago talked about the hazard of pruning an oak tree at this time of the year uh we live on a hobby farm with uh trees about a half a mile away and we have one single oak on our yard a new one that's five years old and it has two lead branches and they're both about 14 inches tall i've been thinking about i need to cut that one down uh, is there something i can do to prevent any harm to it or is it too far away from other oak trees to worry about it well uh, yeah, the oak oak will. I I think distance wise, we've got a lot of oaks around. So uh, I, if I were you, I would wait to do any pruning on it until the winter. So um, the the distance, you know, it, it half a mile. Like I mean, that might seem like a long ways to you, but the uh, beetles, the things that transmit oak wilt, can fly uh, quite readily. So I'd I'd wait till the winter. Just don't touch the oaks. Yeah. During the growing season. Right. You don't. Uh, you you know when you have a choice, uh, try to do it in when it's least likely to uh, transmit oak wilt. Yeah, and fortunately, storm damage. You can't do anything about that. <laughs> right. That's just the roll of the dice. But right. if you have a choice, uh, stay away from the oaks. We have more calls coming up. Mary and Sharon are waiting on the full lines to visit with Mary Meyer from. Of course, uh, the U and our Smart Garden Show. And by the way, we have more on the text line. Even a report here real quickly. Pick Japanese beetles on July 5th on raspberries in Lakeville. So there's another Japanese beetle report. Quick break. We have more with Mary in a moment here on CCO. It is our Smart Garden Show. Mary Meyer in studio today. The hour goes so quickly. So many great phone calls. And let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Sharon, you're on the air with Mary. Hello. Yeah. I'm calling about a rose bush that we've had probably for three, four years. And it did really well. And this year it bloomed. And all of a sudden the blooms just fell off. And the leaves, what leaves are left, are real yellowish, greenish. And the blooms all died, and it's, I think, dead. What would cause that? Wow. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that, Sharon. Uh, I'm not sure what would cause that. I guess I would examine the, um, 
the stems and see if there's a borer or any other insects that have damaged that. The winter can be really tough on roses, but normally they won't even, if it's winter kill, they won't come out very well at all. But I would examine the stems and see if you could see what's dead and alive. And I would prune off what's uh, what's dead. Uh, if you cut those with the pruners, you'll be able to tell in the stem if there's green in there or not. But I would prune off what's dead. Many times, uh, roses will come back from the base again, uh, especially if this was a uh, a hardy shrub rose. You have a chance that it'll grow back from the base. Uh, from our text line, I have three red daylilies that haven't bloomed for a few years. I transplanted them last year to a sunnier spot. They look very healthy. There's plenty of growth, but uh, no flowers. I'm not sure what that is other than the type of daylily. Being a red one, it's a little bit more unusual. So maybe it isn't as vigorous as the Stelladora. That's the one that's so common and and will flower so much. But I would say... um, that just I would wait another year or two. You could also do a soil test to see about your nutrient levels. But full sun is what you need. Now, when it comes to turf, from our text line, uh, is it still okay to apply weed killer, uh, spot treat, etc.? Yes, you can use weed killer for the broadleaf weeds. Uh, pre-emergence crabgrass killer, it's way too late to do that. But broadleaf weed killer, uh, you can still put that on, yes. Uh, question about preen. Is it way too late to have that help in the landscape, etc. The the preen weed killer? Yeah, preen weed killer is a pre-emergence weed killer. So it works on germinating seed, and it makes this tiny film, a chemical film, across the soil. And as the seedling starts to grow, then tries to get through that chemical film, it's that's how it's killed. So if you have a clean seed bed or clean, totally weed-free area, you can put preen down, and it will still uh, prevent weeds from germinating. The thing is, preen lasts a long time. So you want to read the label and make sure that you're never you're not going to want to grow any seedlings there. I used preen years ago in a vegetable garden and and I thought it lasted well beyond a year. So when I put seeds down like beets and things like that, the next year I was having problem with the germination and uh I so you want to be really careful where you use that, you want to not be ever uh planting seeds that you want to come up uh, from our text line as well at 651-989-9226. Uh, the number again, phone calls or text, 651-989-9226. I have two red maples. Both have leaders that are dying or dead. What what could be going on there? Was it a bad winter? Well, it might be. Uh, red maples have very thin bark, and especially when they're young, there can be bark cracking in the winter that can damage them. Uh, maples are also very sensitive for the tree, uh, the stem-girdling roots. So this is the issue of a plant that has been planted too deep in the soil, and the roots themselves make circles around and strangle the tree. So you want to be very uh, careful in looking at that. You can call an arborist, and they will make a recommendation about the stem-girdling roots. They'll actually dig around the trunk of the tree. If your tree goes in at a perpendicular angle, 90 degrees to the soil, this is a good indication of stem-girdling roots. 
You want to see a big flare at the base. You want to see a big angle go in where the roots are spreading out, like the trunk gets wider as it goes into the soil. Stem-girdling roots will eventually kill a tree. It can become very weak and just fall over in a storm. So those are a couple of things to look at, as well as looking at the pictures on uh, maple tree issues, diseases, at the extension.umn.edu website. Now, you had mentioned uh, before we got started today about a survey. Uh, oh, right. We should tell people about Thanks, the survey. Steve, yeah, for reminding us. So we want to hear your thoughts about the Smart Garden Show. So we have a survey. Julie uh, Weisenhorn developed this, and that's at our extension.umn.edu. Uh, click on YG News or type in YG News for Yarn Garden News. You'll see the link there for the survey. Uh, that will help us do a better job on the show. And, of course, uh, we always get a lot of great calls and texts, and we apologize to those calls and texts that we won't be able to get to on the program today. Another friendly reminder is uh, year-round is a great time to visit the Landscape Arboretum. Oh, yes. The Arboretum is a beautiful spot. Uh, We have so many things are blooming. The roses are beautiful out there now. Many of the shrubs are blooming. Uh, and we have a You Betcha Palace. So this is a <laughs> uh, huge palace. Uh, kids especially love this to go in that and see that. You can also go up to the Bee and Pollinator Center. You can taste different kinds of honey that are up there on the weekends. So the Arboretum is a great place to walk around, get ideas for your own garden. Yeah, and uh, the gardens are, as a matter of fact, I have weeding to do and, we all do. Yeah, we all and have I, weeding to do. And I have mowing to do as well. <laughs> I haven't been able to do that. I, I usually mow on Thursdays. Uh, it was rainy on the 4th. <laughs> didn't mow on the 4th. I have, I have mowing to do. That's for sure. Mary, good to see you, uh, as always, here on our Smart Garden Show. Once again, the website, how do people uh, uh, find yes, the site? Yes, extension.umn.edu. Uh, click on Garden or type YG for Yard and Garden News. Always a pleasure to be here, Steve. Yeah, thanks so much. Denny Long is away. He'll be back in a couple of weeks. Once again, Mary Meyer in studio today on our Smart Garden Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.